are here for a reason. This, is, this, this news just in. Ready? Go, go, we go. are your news now. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. <laughs> Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason.
send peace to you. Thank you for being here. Just open with a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Paul's testimony. I thank you that you established patterns for us and you did not leave us without instruction, Father God. Hallelujah to your name. Lord, I pray you bless the reading of your word this morning and that your word will be imprinted in the hearts of those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, we pray for more strong people in the way to come into this tent. But Father God, that is only so we could be prepared for the unbeliever who comes to us. Lord, we thank you that you have given us instruction on how to disciple. Father God, you've given us instruction on how to defend the faith. You've given us instruction how to lead someone into the supernatural conversion into the way by the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we, you made it easy for us, Father God, easy for us to enter into your gates in the kingdom by choosing you because you chose us first. But Father God, uh, we thank you that the walk with you is not always easy, that you strengthen our legs, Lord. You give us uh, health, you give us sustenance, you are the provider of all things in our lives. We thank you for, I thank you for every single person that is here and that you put food on their plate, Father God, and that when they eat it, they do it in remembrance of you, just as if, as they have a drink, Father God, they do it in remembrance of you. So Father, I thank you for Rebecca, and I thank you for the incredible testimony that you have given her, and Lord, I also thank you that she uh, was able to come on board to do this with me this morning on such short notice. But Father God, we praise you, we worship you, you are worthy, you are the only one, you are the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and so Father, I ask that you bless this study of your word, and I pray this in the name of Yahweh, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. Rebecca, I'm so thrilled that you were able to come. I had no cell. I didn't realize I would be in a no cell zone. And usually I at least try to give people a few days notice to come on board. Uh, but you, just like Paul, you know, the Lord said to Paul, I want you to go to Damascus. He didn't give him any further instruction. And not. And so in similar fashion, you stepped up when, you know, I just asked, hey, would you study the word of the Lord with me this morning? And I gave you no further information and you showed up anyways as a willing servant. Yeah, amen. Happy to be here. Amen. All right. So uh, just a, a couple of things off of the very top here. Uh, if you haven't caught the new Goggles series, uh, the last one, number eight, turned out to be about an hour and 45 minutes long. And my wife advised me to cut it in half. So I did it quickly before I went away 
uh, for the week. And uh, so it kind of came at a, uh, at a breaking point and it kind of left as a, a cliffhanger, you might say. And uh, so that's just, that's just where the, the halfway spot was essentially. And, uh, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. But, you know, this uh, this week on New Goggles, it really was the focus of God's pattern of discipleship. And uh, as we are called to be disciples in the way, uh, you are also called to be reproductive. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I mean reproductive, it means to reproduce. As you have been discipled, now it is our turn to go out and to disciple others into the way and god does build relationally notice how god always uses someone else to give the message god could have just given paul all the instructions but you know he sent them to ananias mm-hmm. so yeah there's a god always uses and because and, and it's it's the genius of god's plan <laughs> if you don't I want you to really see the genius of God's plan and how he multiplies. And, you know, he often, you know, in school, many of us learned the uh, the times tables. And when you got to the number 12, it was kind of a big one to multiply. Well, Jesus started off with 12 disciples. And, you know, you see how quickly it went. And, you know, we see on the day of Pentecost, uh, early on in the book of Acts, how quickly it spread thousands in a day. This is what we are called to do, Rebecca. Yeah, absolutely. What an encouragement. Thank you. Well, amen. So let's, uh, so we're just picking up on uh, chapter 21. Uh, you know, uh, Paul went in the temple, he's being accused and, uh, and he gets dragged into you know, the, uh, the barracks and he's being questioned and the commander thought, are you the Egyptian with all the assassins? And then Paul says, no, I'm a Jew. And, uh, so Paul gets permission to put up his defense and this is, uh, what he does. And it's pretty brilliant. I gotta say, uh, so he, first of all, he starts speaking in Hebrew. And so all of the crowd quiets down. But there is one word that Paul says, <coughs> excuse me, in this that inflames them. And uh, by the way, I, I don't know if you saw it yet, Rebecca, or if anyone in the audience, if uh, I left a couple of videos during the week while I was gone and continued on in the uh, study of the synagogue of Satan. And if you didn't catch the very last two, uh, really they go hand in hand. But the very last one talks about the origins of the synagogue of Satan. And uh, now, even as I read these passages, it becomes more and more clear. Mm -hmm. Are they really the chosen people? Is there a chosen people? I don't think God puts anyone above anyone else. No, we, we, we see that too with, um, with Peter's vision that he had. And then as he went to Cornelius's house. Exactly. Exactly. 
but there's been this deception for thousands of years that uh, no, uh, you know, as a Gentile, we're second-class citizens, mm-hmm. and not in the eyes of God. Listen, the, there's two classes of citizens. There's not the chosen people and the non-chosen people as the synagogue of Satan presents to the world, and the world has bought into it, and quite honestly, I bought into it most of my life. Uh, however, God makes a distinction in people, and that is simply saved and unsaved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and if they are the chosen people, then they should all be saved, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, it sounds like, Rebecca, you are one of the chosen people. Hallelujah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and Absolutely. do you believe that God actually chose you before you chose him i believe yeah that i i think god knew me long before he saw everything that was going to be presented everything that i was going to have to face and deal with and i believe that he was with me right from the beginning always giving me the option to choose him to see him to love him to know him uh but yeah the option uh, in the end, comes down to us. He's not going to force us. We do need to choose. He is a gentleman. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, we. You, how happy would your marriage be if you forced your bride into marriage? Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Uh, you know, like, and and this is for eternity, folks. So, you know, you wouldn't want to drag a bride in, kicking and screaming, and confine. <laughs> that that person you know mm-hmm. uh no you want them to choose you and again this is uh this is god's genius plan because he really is setting up eternity for us and you know as jesus says i have many rooms if it wasn't uh for for that i wouldn't be telling you this you know by i have room for you and and you know when you look at the difference and you know and by the way and i i love people who you know are jewish uh many of them have been lied to just like uh that like we have uh i'm not against any group of people at all you know other than the people who are against god you know i kind of got something in for them uh on a personal note uh because they try to you know people who you know do bad things to to youngsters in particular you know, um, yeah, I, I hate those people and, uh, we will, uh, combat them with the armor of God and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is what we will do today, Rebecca. So why don't I start off? I'll read, uh, probably the first 16, then I'll let you finish off the chapter. Okie dokie. Chapter 22. Brothers and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city, educated under Camel Hill strictly 
according to the law of our fathers and being zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons, as also the high priests and all the council of the elders can testify. From them, I also received letters to the brothers and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus at about noon, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were there saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told about everything that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I came into Damascus being led by the hand by those who were with me. Now a certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing nearby said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment I looked up at him and he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear a message from his mouth for you will be a witness for him to all of the people you have seen and heard now why do you delay get up and be baptized and wash away your sins by calling on his name amen continuing with verse 17 i'm reading from the niv when I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying at the temple. I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval, guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, 
Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do? He asked. This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. And the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship. But I was born a citizen, Paul replied. Those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. The commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. So the next day he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then they brought Paul and had him stand before them. Wherever Paul goes, there's a stir. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah, you just got to stand quietly in any city and go, oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. But you, you know what? That brings a thought into my mind. And when we, you, I, go into a place do we create a stir? Exactly. That's a great question. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've given the example before, Rebecca, but, you know, if someone super famous walks into a room, the whole room kind of would gasp. Oh, I can't believe that person is here. Mm-hmm. Um, how much more should they do that for you, mm-hmm. the daughter of the King of Kings. Exactly. Even if it's in distaste. <laughs> That's right. Even if it's in distaste, as as we yeah. find out here. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, there, there's a couple things that stand out just as, as an overview of this chapter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, I always, I'm, I'm a simple man. I, I really, really am. And I, and I put things into simple concepts so that I can actually process them and make decisions uh, based on things because it's really the simplicity of things. And, you know, we started off about uh, God coming to you first, uh, but then you have to choose him. Well, that speaks, and, and you see this distinction being made from the chosen people and from the Gentile. And the thing is, when if you're operating under the law or under a religious system, it's almost like the Tower of Babel. You're trying to earn your way. You're trying to build your way up to God. Man cannot reach God on his own effort. There is no work salvation there is no good behavior salvation uh, by you know obeying 613 laws or whatever. You know, um, th- there is no way other than the way, which is Jesus. And the difference between religion and faith is religion is man's attempt to reach God, where faith is God came to me. Yeah. 
I invited him in and he came. Knock and the door is opened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We see that, you know, it reminds me of um, of Abraham when God told him to go and he didn't say where. You know, and he put his faith in God that he would lead him. And maybe he wouldn't know till the next morning when he got up, if he was to go left or right or continue on or stay where he was at. And yet he just lived that moment by moment. We don't have the answers ahead of time like we always want. I know I would love to have a book given to me each day. When I get up, I go in the bathroom, I want to see the book that says today, this is what you shall do. And this is what you shall say. This is how you shall respond. And then I could just take the book with me when somebody says something. I could say, hang on, I got that in my book. And I could just flip. And then I have that little security blanket because I know what I'm going to say and what's going to happen and what's going to. But then we put our faith in the book. We don't put our faith in the writer of the book. Right. And that's and that's where it's rooted in. Well, and you know what? If God actually gave us his plan for us, uh, many of us would go the other way. Yeah. Uh, But God, you know, he said Paul's instruction, as he gives here in, in his testimony, was he was just told to go to Damascus. He wasn't he wasn't given like, you know, the okay, then you're gonna go here, then you're gonna go to Arabia, yeah. then you're gonna go to Asia, and you're gonna do this, and you know, they're gonna beat you there, but hey, you know, yeah. I'll protect you. <laughs> uh, but he just goes and then someone else gives him the word. And you you talked about uh Peter and Cornelius. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Peter gets this strange vision. You know, he argues with God in Peter's typical fashion, but then he goes to see Cornelius and then it all starts to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we just need to take that step. Mm -hmm. So God communicates to us. He says, okay, go here. And if you're obedient to go here, then he's got someone waiting for you because God builds relationally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting when I was reading this passage too, even just the beginning part when it says that when they heard him speak to them uh, in Hebrew or Aramaic, they became very quiet. And, you know, Paul says how he um, speaks in more tongues than anyone else in another passage when he's making a different point. And so, I, you know, it makes me wonder how many of the times when he spoke out, was it not his language? Did he not have the knowledge? Did he not have anything behind it? But yet, God gave him the words and in faith, he opened up his mouth and trusted, even if I don't know Hebrew or I don't know whatever, you know, I'm going to open my mouth and trust that God is going to fill it and give the words to these people so that they can hear the truth of what they need to hear. Even if they're squirming after it and saying, yeah, we don't like that part, you know, but yet, and even that choice to me, and that's in verse two, just speaks of his faith and his choosing to trust the Lord. Amen. Yeah. And then it, it gets into to verse three and he studied under Gamaliel, you know, mm-hmm. and so apparently this guy was a big deal and Paul was one of his top students. And it is said by other Bible commentators that uh, study history way better than I do. So, uh, but they, they say that uh, Gamaliel, one of his only comments on Paul or Saul at the time was he could not give him enough books to read. Mm. Paul would just read and read and read and study. And, 
you know, this is how Paul was, you know, able to, uh, you know, he would be, you know, Greek to the Greeks, a Roman to the Romans, a yeah. Jew to the Jews, like, yeah. you know, just a, an incredible man, obviously, and very well studied. And, you know, if we, if you've ever, <laughs> the book of Romans is one of the most challenging books in the Bible, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. When you read it and you see the depth and, and listen, yeah. I know it's Holy Spirit inspired words and everything else, but, uh, you know, every time the Holy Spirit speaks through someone, uh, their personality comes out in it. Just like the, yeah. the writer of the book of Acts is Luke, you know, he's a physician. So, you know, when the kid falls out the window, Luke is able to say, yeah, yeah, he was dead, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and, and, it, and it's a trusted source because he's yeah. a doctor. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So what's really neat here is, first of all, the fact that, you know, Paul decides to defend himself uh, by not making religious arguments, but giving his testimony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know how long this actually was, because I'm sure not every word is captured here uh, of Paul's testimony. But it's very concise. This is where I was at. You know, he doesn't get into the details. Just this is where I was at. I was, you know, zealous. I persecuted. God met me and, you know, my life has changed and it's gone this way. And, and I would suggest to each one here that we need to really practice the presentation of our testimony. Mm-hmm. Like Rebecca, you've got a long testimony and we've covered parts of it on, on the show. But do you have kind of like the elevator pitch testimony, you know, the one-minute version, uh, maybe the five-minute version, and then maybe the hour-long version, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think part of that is um, we not only need to be, I know this may sound crazy, but we actually need to be familiar with our testimony. And we aren't actually familiar with it until we, like, write it down, until we speak it out, because it's like it's trapped in our heads, And we don't actually have the clarity of it. We don't have the conciseness of it until we begin to speak it out and write it out. And then it becomes like this thing on the page where we look at it and we're just amazed. And often we're so amazed at how God has moved us through things. But until we do that and then look back, we can sometimes say, oh, yeah, like for sure. I, I I know God helped me with that. I knew he was there. But then suddenly when we're writing it out, We see all these details and pieces where God was like, and I was here and I changed this and this came to fruition and then this happened and then I led you here and then I rescued you here. And we're just looking. It's like, wow, like I I didn't even really take all those pieces into consideration. So I think part of it is for sure getting it from our heads out of our mouths and onto paper. And when we become familiar with it, that's where the faith piece comes in, where we trust that God will bring to us what we need in that moment. What do we need to leave out? What do we need to focus on? And even though it may go against, you know, our logical side, you know, where sometimes God says something or leads us into something or shows us a picture, however, he's choosing to speak to us. And we will push back a little because we'll look at that and think, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, why am I seeing, you know, when I was 
12 and I went and got ice cream down the street. Mm-hmm. But when we begin to speak it out, God begins to give us more and more and more. And then suddenly it makes sense. And even if it doesn't make sense, then often someone will come back and say, it's so wild that you said that about the ice cream, because, you know, so we don't, we don't know what is being set off in our hearers. We don't know the pieces that they need to hear or the forgotten pieces that they're not even aware of. So in knowing our testimony and even whether we, we choose to do a short version, a medium version, a long version, but knowing it and knowing at the end of the day, what is the thing that I want people to know about where I've been, where I'm at and where I'm going. And, I, you know, and, and I, for me, like we, we see that in what Paul is saying here as he's speaking out where he's come from how God met him and where he's going. And it was the going that they didn't like. They didn't want to see that piece. They didn't want to hear that piece. But because he was in a place to speak out the incredible power of Jesus Christ in his life, he was not timid to speak out the things that may stir or rock the boat in another because he knew what he had been rescued from. He knew what he came from and he knew the incredible power of Jesus Christ. And in speaking it out and in bringing it forward, he followed that obedient act of faith all the way through, regardless of if it was going to be liked or disliked. Amen. Uh, That was so well put. And writing it down, I I just really feel I'm going to make a bold statement here. If you, well, first of all, when giving your testimony, uh, it's it's okay to give some of your past, absolutely, paint a picture, uh, because it shows the glory of God in your life. But just remember that your testimony actually begins with salvation. It doesn't begin before that. So don't dwell or, you know, focus on, you know, your sexual innuendos or triumphs that you might have considered or you know, that doesn't bring glory to God. You can say, look, I, you know, I, I was uh, promiscuous in the past and God saved me from that. But it's when you get saved that your testimony begins. But here's the bold statement. If you will actually write down and practice probably the short and medium version of your testimony, God will bring people to you almost immediately for you to do that. God will honor you. Put in the work. Put in the work. Know your testimony. God will bring people for you to testify to, and then you'll be doing God's service. And uh, and just remember, you just have to take that one step. And, you know, he, Paul was told to go to Damascus, and through me, and Rebecca, right here, right now, we're telling you, prepare your testimony and practice it. God will bring people for you to give it to. Mm-hmm. And Do you I feel that? I add to that, that just because we have it practiced and we know when we're ready doesn't mean we're going to be fearless. Um, having no fear doesn't mean you suddenly have this huge faith and you're going to go forward and do great stuff. There's a human part of us that says, well, you know, I've got it all practiced. You know, and I went to a family gathering, 
but I was too afraid to speak. Like I kind of felt, you know, that I was should, but I didn't. And I, you know, I just, I wasn't sure how it's going to be taken. You know, what if, what if I get hassled by my family later? Like those are all human things that we struggle with and we feel and we face and we have to be in that place to say, I see that those things are there and I see that comes from my flesh, but my testimony is not from my flesh. My mm, testimony yeah. is from my spirit and my faith and the transforming power of what God <laughs> has done in my life. And who am I to keep another from hearing and seeing and having the option to choose Jesus Christ because I'm focusing on my own human fear. So we don't, we don't deny it. We don't ignore it. We don't say it's not there. We don't get caught up in the enemy's um, loops that he likes to do with the whole, well, until you're fearless, you can't speak or you can't be worthy to speak because look, look how afraid you were or God told you and then you didn't. So you're a big failure. Like we, we have to step out of those things and go, yeah, I failed. I screwed up didn't do it necessarily the way that I wanted to, or perhaps I didn't screw up and making the decision to not speak was actually a way for me to learn how to be bolder to speak. Like, you know, God wastes nothing. We, we look and we see sin and our failure. And we go, oh, like I messed it up. But God takes everything we deem as a mess up and says, will you allow me to show you how I waste nothing? how I am in everything and can be in everything. Will you stop looking through the eyes of your flesh and look through the eyes of my love, my redemption, my salvation, everything that I have done for you at the cross comes through if you will just stop and allow me to use it all. So, you know, I say that as an encouragement because part of using and speaking and learning our testimony and all of that doesn't mean that we're going to, always present it in a way that I would or that Jeff would or that, you know, our sister or our pastor or whoever we're look, we, we think might have done it different or better. God's going to use us, our personality, who we are, but he's also going to use the fact that he knows the hearer. He knows what they need to hear in that moment. Do they need to hear the moment that I chose Christ or they do they need to hear that I came from some really, really messy stuff. So I relate. I get it. They're not alone. They're not too dirty. They're not too messed up. So that's where the idea of, you know, writing out our testimony, being familiar with it, even practicing it with friends and say, you know what, can I share this with you? And, you, and just to get it out, just to speak it out and begin to practice it so that I'm ready in a way that I don't have to constantly be fluttering back and forth because I'm building that confidence, but then also to trust the spirit of the living God as he moves through us. And at the end of the day, it might not be the way that Rebecca or Jeff would have done it, but that's okay because God can take and use anything and make something incredible with it, even our mistakes, because he's a God that wastes nothing. I just want to shut up and listen to you preach it, girl. <laughs> wow. That was so good. Um, really, that that was some really good ministry. Um, and I appreciate every word. And, you know, you'll know when to give your testimony. Uh, like in the example that uh, you gave, Rebecca, and I, I don't know, but uh, if you... If you're there with your family, first of all, your family is, you know, probably the least likely to receive you. A prophet isn't recognized in his own home. Mm -hmm. uh, however, 
you'll know when to give testimony. There will be that prodding or that it usually comes from the person that you're going to give your testimony to. Uh, it isn't just like, you know, burging in a room and I was saved and you should be, you know, uh, although there might be a time for that. You're on um, your way to hell, don't you see? <laughs> yeah. Fire and brimstone <laughs> is coming your way. And uh, and speaking of which, so um, fire and brimstone and hell. Um, when the when they really got angry, is when he mentions the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to understand, and it's actually written in their text and in the Talmud. I believe that uh, the Jews' opinion of the Gentiles were the Gentiles were actually only created to make hell hotter. Mm. Like we're kindling. Hmm. So, you know, you think about it, like that's probably about the worst thing you can say about a human being, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, like that that's worse than calling someone a nazi i'd say you're you're kindling for hell's fire you know even though you're innocent you're born you might have even kept the law might be a righteous family person you know it's uh this is i really believe this is what god is revealing to us right now and you know um you know the the synagogue of satan thing is obviously going to stand out to me because it was because of that very first episode I did on the synagogue of Satan that had ended my professional career, of course, because, you know, the, uh, the industry I was in was primarily, uh, you know, very, uh, very rich Jewish folks, you know, run everything. And, uh, so it's not that I have a vengeance by any means. Uh, in fact, I, God, this was God's plan for my life or part of it, obviously. Um, and I'm thankful for everything that happened. And I'm even thankful for those people. I still have good relationships there. However, they've been lied to just like you and I. And it's becoming so clear when we look at the, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees and, you know, these keepers of the law. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what a huge insult, just as you're saying that about what Paul said, what a huge insult they would have taken that as to say, you know, that idea that they're kindling, they're nothing. And yet he's saying, I'm going to go to who you consider nothing. And I'm going to preach the word to them because even the nothings deserve an option and an opportunity and a choosing to know the love of Jesus Christ and his redeeming power and that would have been like the big slap, right? It's like it's like how the 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 delete CS, right? We're just kidding. Yes. We're, we're, we're absolutely nothing. We're worth nothing. And yet these nothings are coming forward with truth and power, moving in the spirit and in the power of Jesus Christ to speak truth, to save humanity, to bring them back. And in the end, that's the team we're on. And the delete are going to be deleted. And we're going to be reigning with Jesus Christ forever. That's right. Uh, what a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the, these uh, these people and, and 
the Gentiles, and this really infuriated them, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all this, you know, the religious ones, because not only was Paul going to the Gentiles, the unclean kindling of the world, but uh, they get to go in the way and they don't even have to get circumcised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like that was offensive. Yeah. And, and, you know, I never really looked up the origin of circumcision, you know, like the actual operation and the, the part of the body that they do it to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just these people were fascinated with it. I don't know. It's kind of a weird fascination. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Put in the comments or in the chat if you know the origin and why that started. Do you know Rebecca just offhand? Yeah, it comes it comes from Moses. It's when God actually um ordained and asked him to do the circumcision. So he was the first one that did that and then did that with his whole family. Um yeah, so I mean I know that I know that's where it started from and it carried on through and it was considered something that you know you were holy and chosen and set apart and special if you were circumcised and you were getting rid of that piece of skin that was actually covering over where, where life came from, right? Because we, we know, we know how creation comes that it takes the man's sperm and the woman's ovaries and it's a coming together of that. Right. So it was that it was like taking the covering off, but then when Jesus came, he actually removed that covering, right. That, 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 um, curtain in the temple was torn in two. And so we didn't need that anymore. We didn't need a covering. We didn't need any of that. We could just come right to him the way that he is. But they're obviously still in that idea of that they're, you know, you're more special, or you're set apart or all these different things if if you have this going on. But I mean, how, how incredible that Jesus, you know, basically is like, no, there's absolutely nothing, nothing stopping you from coming to me not not your sin not circumcision not not if you're a jew or a gentile if you're a samaritan it doesn't matter who you are absolutely nothing now can stop you from coming to me so will you choose me and the enemy of our souls loves to say things like uh well you know your testimony isn't really all that or yeah you know you don't you don't say it well enough or yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just too scared. Like, what if I don't master this? What if I don't do it right? Like, there's all kinds of stuff that he loves to bring to keep us back. And when we think of that scripture that says, you know, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, mm-hmm. how powerful does that speak to the word of our testimony? Because the word of our testimony is intertwined and mixed in. It's like mixing a cake. You can't keep half of the ingredients one spot and half of the ingredients somewhere else. And then imagine that, you know, if you, okay, I'm going to pour this into this container and this into that, and then I'm going to pull it out of the oven and it's going to be a cake. Well, it doesn't work like that. They all have to be mixed together. They all have to be blended together to create the cake itself. And, you know, and that's, and that's the whole point of it. When we speak our testimony, we're speaking the power of the blood of Jesus and what he's done for us. And our battle so much is don't speak, don't say it, don't bring it to light. 
And so I see how that, you know, how that comes back to pieces of the circumcision as well. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, I was. I was just agreeing. I'm well, just, no, no, I, I, I was just going to say um, there's lots of, you know, technical stuff and all that around around the circumcision and, and why it's there. But just from I'm a simple girl, too, just from that that simple piece, you know, we don't need to worry about any process or procedure to find more of Christ because he's literally there saying, will you accept me? Will you believe that I can do exceedingly abundantly more than all you can ask or imagine? Or will you keep boxing me in and letting me be a little G instead of letting me be the God of the universe? You know, and what's important for us is the circumcision of the heart. And, you know, I I guess just as you were explaining this, and you're right, I'd read the stories, but I just never really looked into the circumcision thing. I just, you know... um, but it's the cutting off of the flesh. And, you know, I've often said, and maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, but our greatest adversary on this planet is not Satan and his minions. They're powerful, sure. They're angels, sure. But it's our flesh that is our greatest enemy and battles against God because our flesh was sin born and it's you know built into us you know uh when has what parent taught their kids to tell their first lie kids just lie <laughs> you know when they they come up and they say their first lie you know um they weren't taught how to do that uh it's it's born into the flesh and so it's the, the circumcision of the heart is the c- cutting off of the flesh and really God gives us the authority in his name to overcome not only principalities and entities, but to overcome our flesh as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what the enemy uses, isn't it? It's our flesh that he utilizes to keep us held back and to keep us believing something where God is limited and God is less than. And that's and that's what I love about Paul's example here is because he didn't worry about his own flesh, what was less than, what he came from, how he screwed up, how he switched sides. Oh, I'm all unstable now because I switched sides. He didn't worry about any of that. He just said, you know, God met me. This is what happened. This is who he is. And I will follow him. And these are the people I'm going to go to. And I'm going to speak the truth to them because they will hear it and accept it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we get to the part where uh, in verse 17, you know, he, Paul says, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, him being God, hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I was imprisoned and beat for those who believed in you. Mm-hmm. Uh and when his blood of, well, just stuff, there, but he, he's not going to be received. And the Lord is telling him, He's not going to be received and to get out. Mm -hmm. And we need to also know when we are not going to be received. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the, uh, it's kind of like that old tradition when, uh, when a Jews would leave a Gentiles uh, territory, they would wipe the dust off their feet as to not carry it in. 
And I think in sometimes uh, we're not to give out our testimony. Uh, don't waste your words on people who just are not open, who care nothing about you, mm-hmm. who care nothing about this and are set in their ways. And, you know, uh, they're, they embrace their evil nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, w- I would just, I agree with that, but I would also challenge that in the fact that we don't always know that. Right. And the, the other interesting thing is, you know, when, when it, it strikes me so many times when I, when I go through scripture, how the stories are about those whose, you know, groups or crowds or whatever. But I always wonder the ones that are kind of off in the distance listening, that no names are mentioned. They're not really part of anything. They're just listening. And what they see, what they hear, whether it's Jesus' words or Paul or Peter or whatever, those are the things that come forward and stick in their head. And we don't know how they are transformed by the ones who are upfront rejecting. And so because we don't know the hearers, we don't know the hearts, that's where our humanness might say, you know what, there's just, I'm not throwing my pearls to the pigs here. I'm just not doing it. But that's, that's where right. we need to really follow the leading of Jesus in that because he knows what might, what seed might be planted for someone that's, you know, four blocks down that hears it. But he also knows maybe we need the practice. <laughs> Maybe we need to say it and we need to say it to an obstinate force so we can go away and say, I spoke it, I said it, I stood firm. Hallelujah. Jesus' name be praised. Amen. And yeah, I think you'll feel the prodding of the Holy Spirit when you are to give and when you're to, you know, or to get out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and, you know, I'm a big fan of, uh, of trusting my gut. And I think, you know, God really gives us those instincts for a reason as well. And yeah. uh, he guides us in, in many of those ways. So sometimes you'll hear an audible voice. Sometimes you'll just get that gut feeling. Uh, but, you know, sometimes your your gut is saying, oh, this isn't going to go good, but you have to do it anyways. And you got to listen to that as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's happened to me a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and I've, I've done the opposite way where I've been like all gung ho to, to say it. And then it's not been received. And when it's like bombed down and it's almost always been, you know, the prophet not welcome in his own hometown. That's like, that's like a big story of my life. And yet afterwards, when I bring it to the Lord and I just quiet myself before him, he just very gently and lovingly reminds, do you remember when I said this? to not (laughs) and you were just you know i just want to say my thing whatever sometimes sometimes i just i really i so badly want people to hear truth or to find healing or whatever that i will push past jesus to go look i just really want them healed and he has to you know come back and remind me yeah i want them healed more than you they're my kids and i'm like yep sorry (laughs) you're right i need to follow because when I run off on my high horse or my my passionate moments, they might not be the moments that you are directing me to. And I need to just be obedient to that. He sees so much more than what we do. So, you know, if there's one thing that keeps resounding as we're talking about this, it's knowing the voice of God mm. and knowing his prodding. Uh, as as we see example after example in 
the word, you know, God just wants you to take that first step. He says, okay, Rebecca, go here. And then, and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's waiting for you. Uh, and if you did, you might not go. So that's part of the yeah, reason I don't sure. tell you. Uh, and, and by the way, if you, if anyone thinks that being, uh, you know, one in the way, and I'm saying the way more because that's really what I think what we need to address it uh, because there's so many uh, different connotations with the word Christian. And I'm not saying it's a bad word, uh, but really it's the way. And there's no more that you cannot have a more exciting life than operating in the way. God will bring you on the greatest adventure. Yeah. If you're just willing, take that first yeah. step. Yeah. And today that first step is practicing your testimony. Mm-hmm. And going back and watching new goggles and watches uh, procedures for discipling. God gave us a four-step program. <laughs> like it's, yeah. you know, it's really, really simple. And uh, wow, this has just been so good today. I, I, you inspire me so much, Rebecca. I, I gotta say, uh, every time, and you know, uh, obviously, I know a little bit more of your story than than maybe some of the audience and the the depths of some things that uh, were in your life at an early age and, but just the journey that God has brought you through and how you have trusted in him and trusted in him. And even as you work out things today, um, you just are so inspiring to me. And, and I know that uh, I hope I'm not saying anything out of turn here, but, uh, well, listen, anyone who really becomes involved with right on radio in any significant way starts getting the arrows thrown at them. Um, that's why we, we've, uh, adopted the term, the trust Jesus club. <laughs> and so far, uh, it's a 100% success rate in trusting Jesus. And, uh, he lets us go through some tough stuff, but yeah. Uh, he, he just does it. He's doing it to strengthen you and to yeah. give you strength in your legs for when you're going to push through. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And what know. a blessing those arrows are. I mean, if we don't have the arrows, how are we going to learn to battle better? How are we going to learn where the weaknesses are or the exposed areas or the spots where we need to trust deeper? It's not, it's not a sign of failure or weakness. It's a sign of the process of becoming a greater follower of Jesus Christ, but it's also a greater warrior. We are all in the battle, whether we want to be or not. We can pull the great big garbage bag up over our head and we can sit in the middle of the battlefield and go, I'm not seen, I'm not seen, I'm not seen, I'm not seen, but that certainly won't take us out of it. And so those arrows that come, they're not, they're not arrows of failure, they're arrows of victory. And when we can see them as that, even when they cause pain, even when they, you know, expose something in us that we're like, uh, I just didn't really want to see that. Um, But everything brought to light can be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And so wherever we have those dark areas in our lives where we don't want to see it, 
I don't want to bring it forward. I don't want to give it to him. I don't want to put it on the altar. I don't want to do any of that. You know, we are held back and the enemy goes, great. Yeah, it's probably better just to keep that as a hidden thing. You know, what's the big deal? You brought all this other stuff. Don't worry about this. But then when we allow those arrows to hit and it all falls away and, you know, maybe we're embarrassed, maybe we're ashamed, maybe we're whatever. But again, when we bring that and lay it down before the Lord and say, my life isn't my own. I chose to give it to you. So you let them hit where they need to hit. And even when I'm bleeding and even when I'm struggling, I'm going to come to you and trust that everything will be turned around for your good, your glory, my good. And I will be transformed and become more like you. Right. So every arrow is an opportunity for us to let go more of who we are and allow more of the transforming power of Jesus Christ into our lives. Amen. And, you know, one of the simple ways that I work these things out um, in my own thing is when the arrows come, you're right. First of all, I, I usually celebrate them. Uh, it's not easy, but I've learned in the toughest situations in my life to thank God uh, for these things. And that really, you know, kind of puts a, well, that puts the flame out on the arrow that's coming at you. Yeah, uh, you okay. still might get a couple uh, dings, but usually when I get hit, I'm able to say, oh, I actually left an opening in my life there yeah. and I'm going to close it in the name of Jesus, you mm -hmm. know? And so, you know, the, it just makes us stronger yeah. when you realize that. And a lot of time it is us opening up a door because Listen, Satan is kind of the, uh, he's like the ultimate lawyer, you know, hey, uh, Jeff did this, so I'm going to come at him this way. And yeah. God says, well, that's, that's fair game because Jeff did do that. Yeah. And, you know, but then Jeff, uh, by the, because of the circumcision of the heart says, oh, I better correct that. Ha ha. Yeah, it's, it, but isn't it isn't it amazing how what the enemy thinks is like some big tactic? You know, he's like, "Oh, Jeff left this space open. I'm going to just pummel him with that." But in the fact that he does that actually shows where you have an opening, which allows you to close it. Right? <laughs> exactly. If, if he had any sense, he would go, "I'll just keep you know not letting that be known." But he's so gung ho to. To, you know, to pummel us and to tear us down and to say, look, you suck and you did this wrong and you did that wrong. And he's just, he keeps poking at all the openings. And I have an opportunity with every opening that's poked at to go, oh, thank you. I needed that new one to close. You know, and every time I close it, I'm, I'm standing that much more in the victory and truth of Jesus. So we can either ex like see those openings as they hit us as as failures and come down on ourselves, And, and, you know, and sometimes we do, sometimes we sit and we ruminate and we go, you know, we get out the violins and the whole bit, but then we got to pick ourselves up and go, okay, what are you saying here, Lord? Where's the opening? How do I close it? You know, I have an enemy that's going to hit me, but what am I going to step forward in? Well, you know, I think one of the reasons why Satan does this technique it's because particularly on people who are new in the faith, mm. it works. Yeah. And yeah. that's why it's so important for us. And, you know, even in, in the opening prayer today, Rebecca, 
It's like we need more really strong people in the faith to help receive the ones who are not in the way yet because we need to disciple them. There needs to be a covering. There needs to be accountability. There, You need someone who you can talk to about your dirty little secrets mm-hmm. and you trust them with it and they so they can understand you and help you navigate with these things but if if we don't have someone listen i'm not going to come on uh, uh you know on youtube and tell about all the shame in my life you know first of all that's not edifying of god mm-hmm. um but i need a couple people that i can do that with yeah you know and and then when things happen or if i do something they and i've given permission to several people uh, even even in our listening audience, if you catch me, do you come at me? You know, please give me correction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so, it's the discipling in that that really is the protection. That's why God gave us these instructions, mm-hmm. but we're not doing it, and the church isn't doing it. Mm-hmm. Listen, and I'm not putting a blanket statement, but look at the modern day church people come in on sunday um it starts off with worship uppity up get you hyper get you hyper then they cool it down a little bit with something really somber reflective before they take the offering and then they do some announcements and then they you know the preacher comes up and he'll put out there's one real feel good system that he's gonna break he's gonna make it sound good with about three or four other scriptures, but for the one good feel good message that he's going to give. And you have a, you know, 22 minutes of, uh, of preaching and you go out going, man, that was good. And then you go back to your old life until next Sunday. Yeah. Or do we actually leave feeling that was good? Or do we feel leaving? I'm lacking because everybody else around me is all dressed up, looking good. They seem to be doing everything they're supposed to be doing. I guess I'm the only one who's failing. But, you know, the times that I have been in church, and it's happened many times for me, partly because it's my personality, and I just bring the real and the raw. Boy, I've been hand slapped and face slapped so many times. It's not what we do. Look, we all have stuff going on. It's not what we do. But you know what? It's in that real place because even though those people don't want to show that they are real and that they struggle, but it's that place that we're in that actually brings community, that actually brings truth, that allows us to, as scripture says, confess your sins one to another. If we're so busy showering, shaving, putting on cologne, making our hair look good, raising our hands at the right time, dropping in the plate at the right time, waving, have a good week before next time, then we're not actually in that active place to see and even disciple one another because even in our discipling it's going to be more of a oh come on just let that go just let that go like come on like we're new in christ like you should not have that struggle going on which i was told so many times in my early walk with god and it left me confused and it left me filled with shame whereas speaking out what it is which is what scripture says confess your sins and what are you doing as you confess them one to another you're speaking it out. You're taking what's in darkness inside of you. And maybe that is shame, 
But instead of saying, oh, I shouldn't have shame because, you know, Jesus took it all on the cross. So I can't speak it out and I can't tell anybody. No, if that's what you're struggling with, for sure, have those trusted others that you speak it out with. And together you pray and together you bring light to it. And together they say, this is what Jesus says about you. Remember, let's pray. Let's take that to him. Because if my Jesus can take me in my shame and my struggles and everything else, I should be able to do that with other people. I should be able to open my arms of love and acceptance and say, this isn't about judgment. This is about well done for bringing it and laying it out and speaking it out and bringing light to it. Now let's let that light of Jesus Christ and the blood of the cross transform it into truth. But when we keep it in the darkness, that's it just grows. And the enemy just keeps saying, shh, 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 shh. don't worry about it. Not a big deal. And we leave it. You know, I'm glad you made those statements. And I think a lot of people are going to relate to that. And myself, uh, present company included, about not really fitting in at the church. Mm-hmm. And churches, well, people are clicky, first of all. And, you know, in my experience in the churches that I've gone to, uh, first of all, uh, leadership and some elders, and I've only gone to smaller churches. Uh, one was maybe had a few hundred people, uh, but, you know, usually the churches I went to were, you know, under 50 people in them. And, you know, the elders certainly embraced uh, in a way that they wanted me to grow and grow in the faith. And uh, they they saw a zealousness in me uh, for the Lord. And I think they, they adapted to that and, and really came at me and helped to teach me. However, uh, I really was unable to make friends in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, just there, um, I didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. And, no, I you know, there, neither did I. <laughs> yeah, th- this is like, you know. We could have joined an outcast group. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we have. <laughs> we have more outcasts in our in our right on radio community than I think just about anyone. You know, there might be people with best kind of outcast audiences, but we have more outcasts. Best <laughs> and, kind of outcast to be. I'd rather be this kind of outcast than to be falling in line with all of them who are feeling like those flames looking at their butt. <laughs> Uh, God is so good to us, honestly. He is so good to us. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I just, I, I always, I mention this almost every Sunday, I guess, but, uh, you know, I, I'm so blessed, Rebecca, and I know you feel the same way, particularly with the uh, the four ladies on our Singapore team. Mm-hmm. And Singapore has it has really become so important to what we're doing and uh last night in particular i think it was it was on fire uh the holy spirit really moved at least that's how it was my sense of it and so after the prayer uh there's always a discussion and people can give testimony uh if if you want to talk about what god is doing in your life and Oftentimes, recently, Beulah will just speak to some things that the Lord has been talking to her about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, last night she talked about Manifold. 
and I'm not going to repeat. You have to be there, folks. Uh, but there is some real wisdom that comes through the four of them, and yeah. the prayers are so powerful, and they're effective. Yeah, hallelujah. You know, they, they, uh, we've got the ear of God, folks. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's not that we would boast in it. It's just that... Uh, we actually have pureness and heart as failed as we are as individuals. And, and listen, I'm, I'm the chief of sinners, the biggest failure in the whole group. Like there, there's probably nobody, no one has a more messed up life than this guy, you know, in many ways, but yet God uses us. Mm -hmm. and, and we depend on him because we know how flawed we are. Mm -hmm. Right you'd probably say the same thing. Oh yeah. I, 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 you know, I'd have to battle you there for, for the, for the most messed up, but <laughs> <laughs> kind of like what Paul says, you know, he's the chiefest of sinners. I'm like, buddy, I hadn't been born yet. I take over now. <laughs> <laughs> I get that place, not you. <laughs> yeah. Come I, you know, and it's funny. I, that makes me think of the story of, 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 of the woman who came and wept over Jesus feet. Yeah, and, and wiped his feet with her hair, and yeah, that's another another big nothing, an outcast, uh, someone who didn't fit in, and yet Jesus was so blessed by her and spoke of her and said her story will be told, you know, she won't be forgotten because you guys all think she's like this despicable, disgusting human, and yet to me, what she's doing is beautiful. And it's an offer. It was Jesus as well. It. Yep. Yeah. And, and yeah, listen, her she's known for all of eternity. Yep. For that action. Yeah. But you know what? I was just inspired. We need to do a show on this now, Rebecca. And I, it's not going to be next Sunday, but soon. Mm -hmm. Coming soon on Right on Radio. <laughs> the battle of the f destruction of the flesh. Jeff yeah. versus Rebecca. <laughs> Who will be the title to vlog off <laughs> the battle of the flesh? <laughs> uh, okay, but listen, we'll just finish off the chapter real quick. So they're, they're going to threaten uh, Paul. And basically, Paul's going through the same treatment that Jesus went through. And mm -hmm. uh, and the flogging, again, that's that... Uh, that's that whip that has the shards and stuff in it. And so when they whip, it actually grips and uh oh. He's frozen. I don't know. Does anybody else see him frozen? Okay, well just if I'm unfrozen, I will carry on. Um, so yeah, the what what I see in the midst of uh of these things happening, or maybe it's a Roman. And, uh, and obviously they got caught again. So mm -hmm. the, the wisdom of God was there. And uh, Paul moves on to the next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> he gets to be the outcast at the church. <laughs> he comes before all of the Sanhedrin, all the religious folk. <laughs> yeah. Again, they're making a big yeah. deal. They don't know how to deal with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was frozen. You were frozen, but that's okay. You came back just like Jesus. All right. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I was just talking about the ripping off of flesh and the flogging. But listen, uh, Paul was going through the same treatment Jesus was. Essentially, mm -hmm. they were taking him down the same path. But they, just like Jesus, they didn't know how to deal with Paul. Yeah. And uh, I love this. I, I, I love this guy. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to hang out with Paul. <laughs> I, I really am. And, you know, on a much smaller scale, my testimony is almost identical to Paul, just obviously not nearly as grandiose. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I persecuted Christians. Uh, the light came to me in the middle of the road, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And so I just really relate to Paul. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love it. This has been so much fun, Rebecca. I, I really, really appreciate you. So now I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Would you close us in prayer? Yeah, be my privilege. Father, we thank you that you are Lord over all. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is in it. We thank you that it reflects your heart, your holiness, your purity, your passion, your beauty, and your love for us again and again and again from the first word of scripture to the last. And we thank you for the hope that it brings us. It is not there to condemn us because you've told us in Romans 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we do not walk in condemnation, but we walk in victory so that when the enemy comes, we can stand on the truth and the transformation of Jesus Christ on the cross and say, I am no longer in condemnation. I am in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask that as um, our day goes on, whatever has been said, that is a nugget of gold from you that each of us needs to hear. Would you grow that? Would you pour your Holy Spirit water and fire and life onto that and grow it within each one of us that we may see and hear and know what you would have for us, that we would fall on our face before you and worship you as the only true God, allowing you to have your way in our lives, allowing us to be encouraged and inspired mm -hmm. To know that in those moments, you always come through. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You never pass us by. That you give us what we need at every moment. So help us to feel encouraged today to go forward and to go throughout our week and our moments to know that you never leave. You always show up and yeah. we will cry out to you and say, Lord Jesus, use me. Be with me, speak through me, fill me, for you alone are God. And Lord, we are so careful to give every bit of um, encouragement or praise or anything that comes our way back to you. For Jeff and I know full well that we only speak or do anything good because of you. You yes. are what shines through it in our lives, yeah. that apart from you, we can do nothing. So, Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We exalt you. We lift you high. We recognize you as the true, the only God and Lord of all. And to your name alone be all praise and glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And in the meantime, remember, 
love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and practice your testimony so that <laughs> you may make a difference in your community. Amen.